Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We are back, and Julie Harris, we are continuing on the unofficial theme that we have for this week's podcast, which is about scripts, scripts yes. for this real estate market, mm-hmm. because the scripting that you need to have, if you've ever had scripting at all in your real estate business, is significantly different than it was just 24 months ago, and frankly, even 12 months ago. This is true. Right. So when we're going through our, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going through some actual scripts, but some techniques. In other words, the logic and the thinking behind them. Now, we'll start out by saying this. Everybody uses scripts, whether they're formalized scripts that you've learned over time or that they're scripts you just sort of made up. So if you're just getting started in real estate or, frankly, if you've know you have only sold real estate in the last 15 years and you're now real, realizing you need to relearn what you thought you knew to be successful in real estate, here's a little suggestion for all of you. Start with proven scripts. And then what you want to do is uh, memorize the scripts, internalize the scripts, and then you need to personalize the scripts. For those of you who are going right to the personalization of your scripts, picking up a little script here, picking up a little script there, uh, you know, thinking of, you know, basically winging it, you, this market's not going to suffer that for very long because you need to be very drilled down, need to be focused, and need to, frankly, not risk losing a deal because guess what? Deals are becoming harder to come by. 4.1 million home sales are projected for this year, and it hasn't been that few of home sales since 2008. So do not risk losing a transaction over, frankly, not knowing what to say. That's very well put, Tim. And I would say it's not just for the newbies. Some of our grizzled veterans are finding themselves a little bit stymied by changes in the market. What do I say? How do I say it? How do I speak positively when I'm feeling like I'm kind of freaking out myself in some cases? So you nailed the, the, it on the head when you said, you know, everybody uses scripts even though they're made up sometimes. But worse than making up your own scripts that are unproven is sometimes not saying anything at all or not talking about real estate at all because you're not sure where the conversation is going. We call those lovingly secret agents, but secret agents don't do very many deals. So today we're going to talk about some four of the most common things you'll have to deal with, how to deal with them correctly, some basic scripting. Your... Um Elite coaching clients, the yes. people that are um, qualifying to be in your pri- in your coaching schedule, mm-hmm. th- I would because I've listened to some of your calls before. Are you surprised? Like, and most of them that are coming to you are successful by all measures. They've been successful. Some of them for ten or you know maybe you know quite not, successfully, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And they've made millions and millions of dollars. But are you surprised how basic a lot of the conversations you're having with these guys is? You know what I mean? I do. A basic in the sense that we're going back to basics in a way where it's keeping, I, I would say the overriding theme with our more successful, you know, longevity agents is reminding them that it's okay if a listing takes like 30 days to sell and it, don't be suicidal of it because what it does, I've noticed, is you're having to have more conversations, more complicated conversations 
And then it can demotivate them from wanting more. Right, of course. But then also the fact that a lot of them are coming to you having or essentially allowed themselves to feel vulnerable, admitting that they don't know what they maybe what the market might think that they knew. In other words, they're allowing themselves to be, you know, I said vulnerable, but it's what? Well, conscious incompetence, really. Conscious incompetence and introspective. Right. And that's really important. And all of us need to be putting ourselves in that position, no matter whether it's, you know, obviously with real estate or just anything else. Mm -hmm. Always look for opportunities to find your blind spots because that's where your growth is always going to be. If you're just essentially resolute that you know what you know and what you know is good enough and it's going to get you through whatever market, you know, had, whatever the market has in store for us, you will most likely uh, experience a lot of headwinds that you otherwise could have avoided if you're willing to be adaptable. And adaptable and versatile, that's really what scripting truly is. So I want you to be really clear in your minds. A script is not just read it this way, do it this way, no. you must do it this way. Um, you know, don't think that's what a real good script is. What a, a script is, is in essence, a conversation outline. And it is, uh, again, in the order of, and this is, you know, Julie and I's um, core belief about scripting, you do have to memorize it first. Memorize it, not not in the sense that you can memorize it like you just say it without having it in front of you, but memorize it at least so that if it's in front of you, you have comfort with the what's going to happen next in the script. So it's not, you, you've you practiced it, you're familiar with it. The best way to do that, by the way, is using scripts on real uh, clients. Yes. Then after you've memorized it, then you internalize it. And by the way, the memorization and the internalization happen simultaneously and then personalize it. I said it a second ago, but it's really critical that you get it in your head. If you want to avoid the pitfalls that many agents are suffering from in this market, just follow the proven path up the market, uh, up the mountain, and, and not try to create your own. And one of the best proven paths, or for those of you who frankly qualify, is to hire Julie Harris as your personal coach. And without going into a lot of detail, if you're interested in having Julie Harris as your personal coach, I'm going to give you a couple little uh, you know, notices. Number one, uh, she's very selective in who she's going to personally coach. Number two, she's not cheap. Uh, and number three, she's frankly going to be very, again, back to point one, selective on who she's going to personally coach. So yeah. if you are ready to be personally coached by who many consider the number one real estate coach in the nation, Julie Harris, you can text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. And when you text me, give me a little bit of background information on yourself. Those of you who know you're ready for Julie, you self-identify every time I say this on the podcast, which is infrequently, because I always get these really great texts from people. I love the backgrounds. Exactly. Yeah. The background. I've been in the real estate business for this long, and I have this background, and I've sold this many houses, and I've been through these different types of markets. So if you know you know who you are, and you know you're ready for Julie as your personal coach, so do just text me directly at 512-758-0206. So Julie, let's start out with four rules. Yes, that's right. So we're going to talk about how to handle some basic questions that you will we'll hear all the time in your real estate practice, whether you are a grizzled veteran, a newbie, or anywhere in between. The theme here is stop being a secret agent. Talk about real estate all the time. Be comfortable talking about real estate all the time. You will then set more appointments and close more deals, which means 100% of you listening need these rules. <laughs> so four rules. Number one, and again, this is when you're talking about real estate, then we'll get to some scripting. But these are good rules, by the way, for just life in general, right? I agree yeah. completely. Number one, always be positive. Number two, concentrate on who you are talking to. Make it all about them, not about you. Point number three. Your mindset is always about how you can be of service. How can you be a problem solver? Rule number four, remember that people move because of their circumstances, not because of market conditions. I'm going to read that again because it's incredibly important. 
Uh, people move because of their circumstances, not because of market conditions. There are always opportunities to help people buy and sell real estate. The market is shifting, not crashing. Keep all your drama tucked in. Again, people move because of their circumstances. In other words, there a lot of folks, and yes, there has been some people that have taken themselves out of the market for a variety of reasons. All of those people are going to and like, say, for example, we used this as an example yesterday. Maybe like you're a millennial. Maybe you are married and now you're having your not first kid, but your third kid. And that little two bedroom condo you guys, you and your spouse bought when you first got married was you made it work for one kid or maybe two kids. I mean, there's such things as bunk beds, but That's I've never, right. I've never seen, you know, what would it be? Try beds? Tra- toddler the, bunk beds. Ta- you know. yeah, well, no, I mean, yeah. if you have three beds on yeah. top. Yeah. No. I've never seen that before. But in any event, so you are now realizing you need a new house. That is not something that it, your need for more space is not, uh, is going to take priority over the interest rate, over politics, yep. over a lot of the other things that you, listener, real estate agents think are people's priorities. Priority number one for most people is comfort and convenience. It's actually not money. So don't don't get stuck in your way of thinking about real estate. People buy homes to live in primarily. And if it turns out to be a great investment for them, which it almost always does, then go them. Bonus. Exactly. So question number one. First, we're going to do the questions you'll be dealing with. And we're going to talk about what to say and what not to say. Four common questions about and how to answer them. So question number one, how's the market? Here's three things not to say, then we'll talk about what you should say. How's the market? Do not say, well, it's come to a screeching halt lately with all my showings ever since rates changed, and then go into interest rate drama. Tim just showed you a great example of people that don't necessarily care about that. Don't even say that to other agents, because all you're going to no. do is you're going to find somebody else that's going to, you know, commiserate you, with you. you yeah, you're going to be commiserating and in such a way that's going to really screw up your mindset. And that bad mindset then well, it, it can last not just days, but it can last years. Do not say, my last closing was a real nightmare. You won't believe what happened. And then go into it about inspections, about appraisal, about financing, how you hate the other agent. Nobody cares. Do Don't not, talk about it. Do not say, I'm waiting for it to crash like everyone else. I mean, these are all funny things that Julie found on. Yeah, uh, but you hear this. You see this totally. posted on the social media stuff. You know, don't believe it and much less don't say it. Well, it's not I'm, happening. On Instagram, and you guys can follow us on Instagram at Tim and Julie Harris, you know, uh, I've had people when we've done podcasts like this who will message me, and they're always, I've never had, you know, very respectful, nice people. Yeah. A long time listeners, most of them. So, what the questions they'll ask me is like, they're looking for reasons to believe the real estate market's gonna crash. And I look for reasons the real estate market's going to crash as well as does Julie, because we want to prepare you if we do believe that's going to happen, but we're seeing no evidence that that's going to happen. We'd tell you. But what will happen on Instagram or other places people will message is that they are looking for reasons why to believe that the market's going to crash, like things are going to get worse. And when I give them the statistics and I give them the facts and I maybe send them some links to past podcasts where we're uh, you know, stating our case for why there's no reason for, to believe that's going to happen... And usually that is all it takes. Just they need to, you know, balance out their negativity with some positive and realistic information. And facts. But yes, in facts. But here's the question I ask for all of you. What about you makes it so you're attracted to negative? What is your benefit from being attracted to negative information? Oh, there's no benefit. Yes, there is, or you wouldn't do it. You're not stupid. So you are being attracted to negative information and hanging out with other people with, you know, essentially are commiserating to use Julie's word in the same stew. Why is it that you're attracted to that? What's your benefit? Stick with the word benefit. Don't change my word listeners. Well, here's the answer because when you are believing that tomorrow is going to be worse than today, 
right? If you do not believe that tomorrow is going to create more opportunities than today, what does that give you permission to do today? And the answer is, and a lot of you don't like this word, but it is true, you give yourself permission not to work hard. You give yourself permission to be lazy. You give your permission to not do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do at the highest level. After all, tomorrow is going to be a shit show, so why should I really drill down today? That's how a lot of people, that's the problem with essentially hanging out with negative people because it manifests and it, what you're doing is you're actually, you know, it's kind of the law of attraction in reverse. You're actually attracting the negative to you because that's where your dominant thoughts are and where your dominant actions will follow. And hopefully you guys are understanding what I'm saying because it's really critical. Which, which brings us back to that first rule, always be positive. Yep. Right? That's why we have the four rules. All right. So again, back to the question, how is the market? We talked about what not to say. What should you say? The market is changing, but it's still great. I've been really blessed to help so many people over the past year. I'm glad you asked. I've actually set a goal of helping three more families buy or sell real estate this month. Who do you know who could use my help? What are you most curious about? And then be quiet and listen to their answer. So look at how that script goes. I'll do it one more time. First, you're showing a positive outlook. You're showing gratitude. I've been really blessed to help so many people over the last year. I'm glad you asked. In fact, I've set a goal of helping three more families. Here's you being of service, right? Remember the second rule. Helping, keyword, helping. Yep, I've set a goal of helping three more families buy or sell real estate this month. Whom do you know who could use my help? Then be quiet. And what are you most curious about? Okay, they might be an investor. They might have a kid that's a first-time buyer. Who knows? Be quiet and listen to their answer. And remember, Julie's one of the first things that she said is do not talk about yourself. Do not talk about yourself because when you do, people automatically stop listening. People want you to show interest in them. They do not want you to you know, sit around and listen as you show interest in yourself, okay? Yeah. Show interest in them. Ask questions. Show sincere interest. You're here to help. Helping is the key word. And by the way, just by saying that word, it kind of, you know, you start operating on a different frequency, at least in the mind of who you're talking to, because you're no longer someone who's just in it for themselves. If you don't want to come off as a pushy, arrogant, you know, uh, discompassionate, if that's a word, person, the best way to do it is not talk about yourself and ask, que ask questions uh, about the person, you know, show sincere interest in the person you're talking to and use, sincerely use words like helping. You do all those things in conjunction, you're going to have that certain je ne sais quoi that people, you know, frankly, never, many people never accomplish that. Why? Because they keep themselves in an egotistical realm where they're just focusing on themselves. How do I feel? How do I think? What's my opinion? I'm really important. Here's how important I am. Here's all of the stuff I know. Nobody cares. They really don't. If they want your opinion on something, you give them your opinion. Make sure you're not, you know, feeding into any negative, unless there's obviously something negative. I mean, if there's an alien invasion happening, there's really difficult to put a good spit on that. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're looking for land. Did I mention? We the, did I mention the alien invasion starts with them bringing down a bunch of oddly uh, oddly human shaped crockpots? <laughs> Exactly. Okay. So they're landing, they're landing with human crockpots, right? They're yeah, no well, then you're having a totally different script. Yeah, I, I haven't got that podcast written yet, but we'll help you if that happens. That's a bad day. Well, you guys get yeah. the point, right? All right. So. Okay. So question number two, how long have you been in real estate? Now, before we get to what not to say and what to say, note to self, the more professional you are, the less likely you're going to get that question. How long have you been in real estate? Dress well, learn your scripts, and know what's actually happening in the market versus just the headlines or the gossip. Knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. So have some talking points. That's one of the reasons you listen to this podcast. So back to the question, how long have you been in real estate? Well, do not say, well, I just got my license last month or yesterday, 
or I just won the Platinum Award. They don't know what that means. Or I've sold more homes than anybody else in my office. These are things not to say. And I covered our bases on newbie answers and more grizzled veteran answers. Well, but here's the thing you guys got to understand. Other than those of you who just got your licenses yesterday, that question really doesn't mean anything to the person asking it. The consumer does not know how to actually value your uh, even thing. They're just asking that question to be conversational. Exactly. So don't take it that seriously. So for example, you can, uh, and we run into them all the time. How long have you been in real estate? 10 years. Uh, well, that doesn't really tell you anything. So how many houses have you sold in the last 10 years? Uh, you know, three, right? You guys get it? Yeah. So the, what you do is you pivot that question and you answer the question in such a way that you are going to, like, say, for example, you're with eXp Realty. And let's say in your particular market, eXp Realty sells, you know, sold last month, you know, a thousand homes in your particular market. You can, if, in a, let's, if you're a brand new agent, you can use the we opposed to the, the I. Like, well, I'm so glad you asked that question. And, you know, the I joined with eXp Realty because in our market last month, we sold over a thousand homes. Now, I've been selling real estate now for less than a year, but I have to tell you the momentum I have right now is fantastic. By the way, who do you know who's thinking about buying or selling real estate? So do not lie. Uh, but you don't have to necessarily think you have to give them a very analytical answer because they're not writing down and keeping score. It doesn't work like that. And they don't know what's a good answer when it's not a, bad, a good answer anyway. It's just conversational. And I like how you answered it, but then you turned it around and made it about them again, following one of our rules, right? So let's go on to question three. How many homes have you sold last year? Now, this is another, again, you might get that question, you might not. That's going to be a question that is uh, the consumer doesn't know how to value the answer. And you can lean back into the answer being something about the, what your brokerage had done, or you can t if you did sell a lot of houses. But again, you got to remember the consumer doesn't know how to value your answer, so don't get stuck on that. But if you are getting questions like this, which frankly you very rarely will get questions like this, even on a listing appointment, it's because you did not prepare prior. So if you get a question like this on a listing appointment, it's because you did not send a pre-listing pack ahead of time because you did not pre-answer all these, you know, kind of confrontational questions that might come out of the seller's mind prior to you getting to the house. That is your lack of preparedness. I, I agree with that. And sometimes the version of this comes up for more experienced agents that are maybe in a higher price range. And maybe somebody says, how many homes in my neighborhood or my price range have you sold? Well, back to preparedness. Maybe there's only been two sales in that entire price range or that neighborhood in the past 24 months. So you better know your stats. Otherwise, they might know better than you and you could be BSing them basically. It, you, so I don't want to, um, I don't want to, how do I say this? It is important, obviously, those of you who have success, those of you who have experience, but you got to remember what Julie and I's background is. In our first year in real estate, in our early 20s, when we looked like we were about 12, we sold 103 homes. Now, we sold 103 homes competing against very, you know, well-entrenched agents in a very well-established market. And for every year thereafter, we sold between 100 and 200 homes. Now, why am I telling you that? Because by the time Julie and I had been in real estate for two or three years, we'd sold hundreds of homes. So hell yeah, we bragged about how many houses we sold. And we compared our sales experience to agents that basically had sold, you know, virtually nothing. The average agent in Columbus when we were selling real estate, I think, was selling like eight houses a year. And we were selling always over 100. 
So the moral of the story of what I'm trying to share with you is, is the consumer very rarely would look at the number that Julie and I were telling them and give a damn about the 100 or the 200, whatever it was no. that we'd sold the previous you year. you got to bring it back to how you're going to help them. Exactly. That's what they care about. They don't care about those numbers. Those are, no, those are real estate agent brag numbers. Because what Julie just said, we would sometimes in our first year as we were, you know, or really our second or third year, as we started to lean in too much to the numbers, as we started believing the numbers in our, our previous uh, success would win us the listing. I hope you're listening, uh, top producing agents, because this is going to happen to you. We would then start essentially bragging about what our success was. We sold this many houses. Mm-hmm. We did this. We did this. We did this. Because after all, we worked our asses off to accomplish it. We figured they put value on it. Very, very few, 99% did not give a rat's ass about our previous sales experience. They wanted to feel comfortable with us. They wanted to like us. They wanted to feel they could trust us. And they wanted to know that we were in alignment with what their goals were, which by the way, was something, is something, all those things, an agent who's never sold a single house can also basically uh, instill in that potential seller or that potential buyer. But it does go back to your, you know, you have to have a pre-listing pack. You have to pre-qualify. You have to take a professional approach. Once people like you, once they feel connected to you, um, and not even a very meaningful way oftentimes, you're done. You're going to get the listing. You're going to get that client to work with you. And there's a whole bunch of research that's always been done that shows that most consumers will work with the first agent that they meet. I want you to think about that. Meet face-to-face. Meet voice-to-voice. Who is a professional? Not meet, I got an email. Not meet, I got a text. Not meet, I got a postcard. Face-to-face. That's the reason that, frankly, Julie and I, when our, we are early our 20s, we're able to win at such a high level so quickly because of the fact that we did a ton of face-to-face. We had no centers of influence in past clients. We had no previous sales background. We were in college prior to that. We had no reason. There was no you know, reason to believe. There was no coaching. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you this. Uh, oh, no. There was no internet. <laughs> the MLS wasn't online. Exactly. The MLS. You had to actually, which in, a, in what we're talking about being face-to-face was a blessing because you pretty much had to be face-to-face. Right? Now, we were, we were in real estate, selling real estate, when the consumer internet, like in 96, 97, really started to spin up. And our URL, timandjulieharris.com, if those of you guys are super nerds, you can look it up. It is an ancient URL because we bought it really before agents started buying their own URLs. We understood the power of it. And we did a bunch of internet marketing. We did a bunch of, we did, Julie and I were uh, some of the first people to advertise on realtor.com and I'll, those of you who do uh, pay-per-click ads, I want you to think about this. This is how sweet it was back in the olden times. Okay, and I remember this. It was uh, a Christmas. I don't remember what year, but it was Realtor.com started. It basically became, the, you know, it was part of the consumer internet. You could go into your property listing descriptions, and you could put hyperlinks from your property descriptions to landing pages. And the number of leads that we were able to generate for free from doing that was extraordinary. So what does that mean? It means that you could basically run ads on realtor.com for free. It was awesome. It was awesome, right. <laughs> and, and you could do that for maybe about a year and then they stopped allowing you to do that. You couldn't do direct links out of it anymore. Kind of like on Instagram, you can't really do a link out of your description. You have to put it in your bio or whatever. You guys know what I'm talking about? Same thing. But yes, so we did a ton of internet marketing. So we know all the different facets of lead generation. Um, and obviously, we're still doing a lot of all those things now for our coaching and training business. And coach our agents had to do the same thing and also our big EXP family as well. All right, so on to question number four. Anything you don't know about, insert the question here. Again, back to being a secret agent. Some of you don't talk about real estate because you live in fear of somebody asking you some question that you don't have a clue about and then feeling a panic attack like you've either got to BS them or expose your ignorance. 
So stop expecting that everybody needs you to know everything all the time. And this could be, I said insert question here, it could be, you know, I've got a commercial property and you've never done commercial before, so that freaks you out. It could be something in a higher price range. It could be anything. It could be a technical legal answer. Okay, so anything you don't know about, that's the question, here's the answer. That's a great question, Bob. I'm writing this down and I'll have an answer for you by this evening. What's the best number to reach you tonight? Now, what if, you, what if you don't do it that way? What if you, your ego is telling you that uh, I don't want to be embarrassed by admitting my ignorance and I'm going to bullshit an answer? Well, here's what happens a lot of times. A lot of times people, they'll ask you questions. They haven't put a lot of thought into the question they're asking and they're probably not even really listening to whatever you say. It's just conversational styles. A lot of people, you know, it's lazy talking in essence. Filling the silence. Exactly. A lot of consumers do that. You do that. Everybody does that. So here's a thought for you. When they, they might ask a question that they actually already know the answer to or most of the answer to the question. And then when you wing it, or in other words, you lie, that is immediately going to disqualify you for uh, taking the listing. I will give you, I can give you many examples of, and those of you who've been doing any kind of selling for any amount of time, you'll know what I'm talking about. You will win business and the person that is choosing you over somebody else or many other people will come out straight and tell you, the reason I'm doing business with you is because uh, you did not try to like wing it when I asked you a question. They'll actually say, I respected the fact that you needed to think about it and do some research before you answered my question. Or, and this is where really the rubber meets the road, I asked you the same question I asked this other person. I knew this other person did not give me a truthful answer, and you did, so I'm going to list the house with you, or I'm going to do business with you. Mm -hmm. So what the really important takeaway is, be okay not knowing. And I'll give you guys a personal example. Julie and I uh, took Zoe. She has to go to the doctor uh, for just some sort of medical thing prior to going back in school, and she starts back in school next Friday. Yep. And she's in the fourth grade, mm -hmm. which is amazing. It is astonishing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not that she's in the fourth grade, but that we have an almost 10-year-old. <laughs> but she actually made it to fourth grade. She actually is pretty smart. I <laughs> yeah. mean, so, yeah, that doesn't surprise us. Yeah. So, yeah. Someone's in the comments, I can't believe that they think their daughter. Anyway, yeah, so, so we're at the doctor, and, I, and we, the doctor is, is, has been our family physician for, you know, five years, and I'm talking to him about different things. And I asked him a question about a couple things uh, about me. He didn't know the answers, and he wrote them down. And then later that day, he sent us a WhatsApp with the answers. Did the research before giving us the answer. Gave you the facts. What, the facts. Was not at all embarrassed uh, that he didn't know the answer right when he was sitting in front of us. That is a professional. Yeah, and don't you feel better that you, because you would have had a sense if he was kind of maybe making something up or BSing you. I mean, at the very least, you don't want that kind of response from your doctor. And agents complain that they're not treated like professionals. Well, this is one of those reasons is because you don't answer like the doctor answered you. I will find out for you. Well, what's more important in that example, Julie, is what if he had basically didn't uh, know the answer, was w not wanting to feel embarrassed for admitting that he didn't know the answer yeah. and gave me the wrong answer. That's what I'm saying. And it's a doctor to which I would have followed his wrong advice. Exactly. And that some of the agents listening right now are going to be, you know, they're guilty of the same, you know, sin. That's right. So guys, listen, these scripts, there's a whole bunch of other scripts. We have dozens and dozens of other scripts. These are, are just the most common basic ones you'll hear, assuming you're out there, you know, in the real estate wild, actually talking about real estate. I'll say, I will say this though, of all the scripts and all the things that they're going to hear, the number one that they need to work around is not, I mean, work with is going to be the how's the market I question, agree. because the how's the market question comes in many different varieties. The only way for you to cut through the bullshit with that question, because everywhere they turn, they're going to be, and this is mostly consumers and obviously agents as well, their heads are full of doom and gloom and negative information. Mm -hmm. 
Who cares why? That is what it is. What you need to do is you need to counterbalance that with facts. And Julie and I have done, I mean, in the last six months, we've probably done four podcasts on the facts of what's happening Mm -hmm. in the market. You need to have those facts that they're ready. Maybe just have three points. You know, I, you know, someone will say, I've heard that the number of foreclosures is increasing dramatically. Or maybe you just got an email from somebody that's trying to sell you some foreclosure list or be an REO agent yep. before the train, le- you know, all this Mickey Mouse. Well, you're actually going to know the truth. You're going to be able to say, well, here's the interesting thing. Yes, foreclosures increased. That is true. But here's what they increased from. They increased from two in our marketplace to three. So yeah, you could say that was a 50% increase, 33, but yes, you could say that was an increase in foreclosures, but if you're not focusing on the actual, you guys get the point. So make sure you know the numbers and don't be surprised how few people actually have taken the time to know the information. And if you want the information, just go to our past podcasts. By the way, thanks to all of you who have given us five-star review reviews on iTunes. And please do take the time to do that. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. And do let the world know why you like the podcast, what you learned from the podcast. And while you're over on iTunes, or you can do this on our um, timandjulieharris.com or Spotify or really any place else, you can search for specific content that will answer the question, how's the market? You got to know what the you know, all these different statistics of what's going on with home sales. We told you some on this uh, podcast. We always do. Those types of, like, for example, 4.1 million home sales. That's the lowest number since 2008. Well, that sounds bad. Well, not really. I mean, in our marketplace, there's this many homes that have sold. The average sale price is this. The average days on the market is this. The average, um, the houses are uh, selling for this much more than they did over last year. Congratulations, you bought your house three years ago. You've now got 50% equity in your house. What? (laughs) Right. And the reason there's fewer home sales are all good reasons because- You know, people refinance, they have their house, their house is worth a lot. There's not that much on the market. So if you were to sell today, you basically win the real estate lottery. So there's nothing negative happening, right? Well, should I be buying right now? Is it the top of the market? Obviously, it's not the top of the market. There's this amazing thing called inflation. Inflation hurts when you're going to the grocery store, but it helps when you own assets. So Mr. Buyer, here's the thing with inflation. Would you, Are you seeing or expecting your rent price to go down? Are you expecting, if you own a home, the house to devalue in the next 12 months? Well, there's no reason to believe that. Nope. And what we're actually seeing, and you here's the statistics, homes last year in our marketplace were selling for 600, and now the average home is 600. 650, just like yours, the comps are the same. Square footage, bedrooms, baths, condition, right? So I'm not just taking obscure comps to make a point. Now, that means that in the last 12 months, the $600,000 home is now worth 650. That homeowner basically had you know, a pretty damn good return, basically a 10% return on that investment. And if you factor in what they paid for the house, what they what their payment on the house is rather, because of the appreciation, the inflation on that house in the last 12 months, they basically live for free. That $600,000 house probably costs that owner less than $50,000 to live in. The inflation, you guys get what I'm going getting at here? That's the type of information that when you have it at your fingertips, you will find people are going to be attracted to you like you cannot flip and believe because you are a reliable source of information. And especially if they own a home, you're always the purveyor of wonderful news. You're always telling them that they're smart. You're always telling them. like Santa of real estate. You are. (laughs) They're going to seek you out. They're going to see you in a room of a thousand people. And they're going to say, there's Bob. Every time I talk to Bob, he makes me feel good because he tells me how smart I was to buy this house 12 months ago. That's right. Because you are training them when they have, you know, maybe they have a 3 a.m. real estate night sweat. Gosh, I saw some crazy headline. I better call Bob and ask him what's actually going on. So you get back to the buyer and you say, Mr. Buyer, 
Now, this in 12 months, there's every reason to believe homes are going to inflate even more. Rent prices are going to increase even more. And let's say, for example, you don't like today's interest rate. Well, then guess what? You're not, it's, you know, you're locked in, you're not locked into it for life. You can refinance if the rates go down. But the main thing here is when you have a property that comes up that meets maybe 75 or let's be honest, 50% of your needs, you need to jump on that and lock that property in because it gets you into a position where you're going to start building equity. Where for free, by the way, because of inflation. Those types of thoughts are the ones that you guys should embrace. And when you actually will, when you will wash yourself with all this type of information, how do you feel, listener? You feel what? Educated, motivated. Now you got to go get into action. And that is the power of knowing the facts. That is the power of scripting yourself in such a way that people are going to love hearing what you have to say. So hopefully this podcast benefited you. And again, please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review over on iTunes with a comment on why you love the podcast. Anything else you'd like to say to these guys? Well, just reminding them that knowledge equals confidence and ignorance equals fear. So hopefully we have sprinkled enough knowledge on you so you can go out and speak confidently when you hear those questions. You guys have a fantastic day. You can listen to us anytime on the pot on what you know via past podcasts. There's literally over 2,000 shows on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Prime, Google Music, all the different places, and of course over on YouTube. So go give them a listen. Have a fantastic day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>